Graphic Nature acknowledges the Bunwurrung people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which we record the show and pay our respects to Elders past, present and future. We also extend that respect to other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who may be listening to this podcast. Due to the graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised. Fighting for what's right, for justice, that's what a hero does. It is my opinion, without any reasonable doubt and without any reservation, that comic books are an important contributing factor in many cases of juvenile delinquency. Comic books are pure evil. Satan himself condemns our children to the fiery depths of hell. How a particular tale can come to life in the mind of a reader is endlessly fascinating to me. We have found that all comic books have a very bad effect on teaching the youngest children the proper reading technique. This balloon print pattern prevents that. I am not a villain. I am a victim. A victim of a society that tortured me. Vengeance will be mine. Will be mine. Will be mine. Welcome to Graphic Nature, a podcast exploring the inspiring world of comic books, the culture that supports it, the creators, publishers, and people behind the printed pages and digital screens, pushing the medium on into the future in Australia and the world. I'm Zoran Ilyevsky. On this episode, we're joined by Mandy Ord, a celebrated comics creator. Thank you very much for uh, joining us on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me to come along. You're very welcome. You've had a pretty great career over the last few years, you know, doing all sorts of different stuff and and just looking at your bio, you've done things that I wasn't even aware of. Uh, how did how did it all start for you? Like, what was the uh, what was what's your, for lack of a better term, your comics origin? Yeah. Um, so I I was really into comics as a young person, like a child that you know moved into teenage world I had you know it's always like for me it's about connecting with other people so I had like a friend in high school that liked comics we we um, were really into the Doug Anthony all-stars when we we're in high school and part of yeah right yeah big time so part of what they did as well <laughs> was comics um which and it was the kind of comics that we that were different to what we were reading as like young teens and children it was like yeah blew us away and anyway it's a long kind of a long story but we got some tips about comics from the Doug Anthony all-stars um and then I forgot. I totally forgot that they actually had comics. Yeah, and then I went to I went to I went straight from high school to university when I was seventeen and moved interstate and studied fine art, focusing on painting. And mm-hmm. in art school, immediately within like the first six months, I met people who were interested in comics, and there weren't like a huge amount of them, but they were the ones that were interested in comics. They were really interested in comics. Yeah, right. Um, so it was kind of like. From, from that point. And also that's probably when I was, yeah, like 17, 18, I, I found people who were write, draw, who were creating comics that were autobiographical, both like my peers and then also published creators, mostly from North America. And so I realized, you know, I did, I did um, create a lot of fictional characters when I first began, but was quickly drawn into the world of the, you know, re- reflecting on real life and yep. autobiography. And so, yeah, it just started everything off, all those sort of factors combined. So quite young. Yeah, right. I, I can't remember, like, I can't remember a time comics weren't in my life ever. It's interesting you say that because a lot of the people I've interviewed, particularly of late, uh, everyone's pretty much saying uh, a similar thing where it's just, yeah. I can't, I can't ever think of a moment when I wasn't thinking about comics. Yeah. Let's go back a, a little bit. So 
you, you've, you've moved into state and you're studying fine art. What, what, what was the moment when you went, well, hang on a second, I'm, I'm doing, I'm studying all this painting, but the, the comics are drawing my eye. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, actually, um, I think there were probably a few things going on, but there's one thing, one moment that really sticks out. We had a visiting um, guest lecturer and he, so all these guest lecturers would come in and they would set us assignments and tasks and to mm-hmm. do with our art making. And, you know, they, everyone had a really different approach to getting us thinking in different ways from their own, mm-hmm. their own skill set. And um, this particular guest lecturer he or artist he asked us to um create a a story just using pictures and it could be about anything I can't remember if we specified it was to be about something that we'd experienced but I chose something that I'd experienced and I wrote a comic which was wordless I think yeah it was I'm pretty sure it was um uh just about a little anecdotal story um about catching a bus from Canberra to Sydney I used to do that quite a lot. I'd commute quite a lot um, for the three and a half hours, whatever it took. And it, Jeez. and the bus rides were really crazy. Like there was just, <laughs> they played like really shit like videos, but if you didn't get the video, you were devastated because it made the time pass. And I always sat next to really unusual people and the buses would break down and the drivers were cr- grumpy or friendly or there was always like something happening on those buses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, and and so I chose just one thing, and um, I I I really liked it. Like I I I'd sort of been, you know, I've been studying painting where we're which we're asked to produce one image that has you know a concept and has some sort of meaning and something within it that tells some kind of story or at least an idea, and yep. it just I don't know, like it just I always struggled with that one panel or the one yeah right picture as much as I love painting, but when we had to do a multi-picture sort of idea, it was like such a relief. Like I could finally tell a proper, like tell the story the way I needed to tell it, which is because I needed more, I needed more, um, I needed more opportunities to show images. And so I already like comics and I guess it just made sense that, well, I love pictures and I love stories. This is how I can, you know, combine those loves with comics. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I always like, you know, I obviously love reading and love comics and the, the writing element was probably, you know, I was I never trained to write. I only wrote in high school and I just mm-hmm. read a lot and just I've never studied writing or anything like that. Um, but I think that's just something I've been trying to develop independently. My whole career is just like writing using words. But obviously, we, you know, with the thing about I always give myself a hard time about not thinking I'm not great at writing, but forgetting that comics is the writing, the right, the grammar of comics and the writing part of comics is, is like the symbolism of the images and the words kind of dancing together and forming mm-hmm. meaning by bouncing off each other. So that in itself is writing. The words aren't, you know, they, they're not separate, I guess. And no, I remind no, no, myself right. of that constantly. So I don't give myself a hard time when I look at a script and go, oh, what's that writing so shit? Um, <laughs> I think, I think at this stage though, you, you could probably ease up on that uh, considering being shortlisted for all sorts of awards and yeah it doesn't know uh, it doesn't really make a difference like I it's really nice but I I think it's like because I think a lot of us I mean a lot of artists regardless of their medium I think when you've you spent so long being you know producing the work pretty in a solitary fashion like yep. the things that come from the outside are, are fantastic particularly they're positive but <laughs> we've developed such a like a skin of the way we create that it's sort of you know, you go back to yourself again yeah. and your own, you know, weak, you know, neuroses or weakness or 
which are which are positive in that they make you try harder and do better and evolve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, like I don't I don't find that sort of change. Like I'm like every time I start a new story, the same old demons come back to mm-hmm. get me, but they make the work stronger. So I've yeah, made right. friends with them. <laughs> <laughs> I might do that considering this podcast. I'm the same every time I, I every every new interview uh, poses the same <laughs> the same old issues. Yeah, it's the unknown. You know, you sort of. You're, you're sitting there and you're in real time and you have to do it. And it, you know, no, 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 like doesn't matter how many, like, you know, amazing things, you know, you might get from the outside come in. It's, it's just, it's you and yourself. Yeah. You know, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and where would you say your, your style? Cause yours is actually a very unique style. Yeah. What was the genesis of that? Tell me about that. So I always played around with different mediums you know, from the beginning. And um, the mm-hmm. first, the first thing that I used for a long time was the, um, was a felt tip pen. And I was yep. really influenced by particularly of the work of like, like from the age of, you know, like 18 was uh, Charles Burns who, okay, yep. yeah, Charles Burns. So he obviously yep. uses a lot of heavy black. There's Max Anderson, who um, is another uh, creator who was in a lot of zero, zero like anthologies. And he also used a lot of black. So even like Julie Doucet has lots of nice blacks as well. Maybe not as much as say Charles burns but so it's probably I don't know why I just drawn to this sort of particular look of the real graphic really dark cartoonist work so I'd be using my felt tip pen and I'd be I'd be like coloring in all the black spaces with it and it would take bloody forever <laughs> and wait, I, hang and on hang on you said felt tip felt, right felt tip pen yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, you that know, would have taken ages yeah yeah which is which is you know what it's good though because it's like if you're spending an hour filling in a space with a black felt tip pen your mind is, your mind is like, I think your mind is, you've got the opportunity to slow your brain down or for some, some mm-hmm. just stuff to be going on when you're focused yep. on one picture. And by the time you finish it, you're so ready for the next panel and you've had time to think about it and not even yeah. aware that you're thinking about it probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You get into a zone when you're sort of concentrating on something for that long. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got kind of sick of that. So I kind of, um, I had this romantic notion of using um, Nibbon ink. Yep of going back to, you know, thinking about people like going all the way back to when people were using scrolls and, you know, um, the monks were in monasteries, yep. like copying by hand all the religious scripts. And Text, I just yep. love the idea. Yeah, I love the idea of that. And so I started using an ink and nib and, and just like, you know, ink in a jar. And, but I would, you know, with like with comics, you, you spend that much time on a panel and then you get to the last bit and then a big black drip of ink. <laughs> lodges on the goddamn <laughs> sorry panel that's all right swear away it doesn't matter. okay and you're and it's ah, and the bit you know now i think oh well, that's thank you that's a sign that that's a shit panel i gotta do it again i see that <laughs> if i make a mistake i'm like i don't worry about it because i'm like well obviously that panel wasn't meant to be so i'll start again but back in the day i'd, I'd be really frustrated so so it's funny like because i trained as a painter i i went back to um i, I tried i started playing around with a paintbrush so I felt pretty comfortable with a paintbrush. So I found like really, really thin paintbrushes and I could get a lot more control with the ink with a paintbrush. I had less of the dripping incident. Yep. And also that nice, which I guess people know of my work with the blacks, it's a very sort of fluid painterly black mm-hmm. um, spaces that I use and I can have more control with a paintbrush with that. And so, you know, it's sort of like the style just evolved over trying different mediums to suit my needs at the time and finding the one that was just right, I guess. Yeah. 
I'm I'm surprised with the with the background in fine fine art that you 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 was you started out with your felt tip pen. Yeah, I don't know. I think um I think that probably comes from like I think a lot of us like walk around you know with sketchbooks in our bags and right. pens are just yep. and and spend a lot of time on public transport or three hour bus rides to Sydney or whatever or planes. I can't and, really take a pen and pen and no ink pen. no it was more <laughs> yeah fair enough yeah necessity and easy and. You know, I felt like the felt tip pens were like the um the royalty of the of the pen world back back then. I, right, you know, <laughs> they a, really were a bio or a pencil <laughs> or something. <laughs> and yeah, I remember the first time I ever got an Artline one point zero. It was uh, it was pretty fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. It's just and I like I um I do like I've got this. Oh, you can't see it, the podcast, so you can't see it. But I've got a pen here that's just like a it's like a bit of a felt tip pen. And, um, ah, yep. Yeah. The refillable, is that like a refillable yeah. uh, brush pen? Yeah. Yep. Yes. And it's a, one of those Lamy, L-A-M-Y, the Lamy pens. It's refillable, which I really love, but I use this for, cause I still do diary, diary entries just as a habit cause I can't get mm-hmm. a habit. And I do these little scrolly, um, drawings to go with every day just, to, and it keeps me fluid and spontaneous and just, and it's like, just fun. You know, it's like my little fun yep. thing and I use, um, a pen and I love it, but I probably probably wouldn't draw like finished comics with this yet maybe right okay yeah maybe maybe this will be the next phase i'll go on (laughs) (laughs) you know is there is what what's the reasoning behind that you just feel more comfortable with the with the actual brush or yeah yeah for the finished work i do yeah and maybe it's just like i have this whole thing about um i'm really interested in the way in the in the sizes that people choose to draw at Mm -hmm. but currently i feel most comfortable drawing at a 10 centimeter square per panel format and wow yeah and and when i look at someone like Charles Schultz, he like peanuts. So, you know, you read them so small in the papers, but when you look at how big he drew them, it's quite extraordinary. They're really big. Um, yeah. And he must've, the way he drew must've been like, in terms of like your, the physicality of drawing, he must've been, you know, using his whole arm, whole arm to make these sweeping gestures. Whereas I guess my comfort level is around like just, you know, this particular movement. Whereas other yeah, yeah, right. really small, like, you know, that whole, the phys- I'm really interested in the physicality of drawing and how you use your body to create, which is the whole part of doing comics that no one ever really sees. They see the end product, but there's this whole, like, there's this whole, like, um, energy involved in, yeah and yeah, doing, doing it, which is so private and good. Yeah. Well, that, I think that, that I find that really interesting, particularly the, you know, your, your comment around the, the space you use to actually draw, uh, you know, if, if I remember back when I was a kid to draw, it was you usually just stick to an A4 sheet because yeah. that's what was most available. And you, so, and you would often draw things pro- misproportionately because you start off at one section and you're a kid. And so you're drawing this big head and then realize oh, I've got nowhere else to put the body. Yeah. So that becomes problematic. But as an adult, you know, if ever I, I took a pencil to, to a sheet of paper, you know, your, your percept, your, um, your scale perception of scale is a, is a lot better. Yeah. Uh, and and I remember going and doing uh, life drawing for a couple of years, and seeing again the scale at what you know at the scale at, that people different people draw at was was pretty remarkable. I was always pretty much confined to that kind of A4, yeah. you know A3. If it was any bigger than A3, my brain would start kind of freaking out and going, "Well, what am I going to do with all this extra space?" Yeah. Well, well, you know, I I sort of. I'm, I'm experimenting and I think um, I keep not finishing sentences. How annoying is that <laughs> for you? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Neither do <laughs> like I. I don't even it doesn't matter. Sentence, but 
Um, so the the diary the diary comic that I did was the four panel per page, and yep. before that I did a comic called Trains, which was documenting yep. train journeys, and that was all. I own it. Yep. Oh yeah, so that was also four panels. So obviously, over the last couple of years, I've gotten into this pattern and feel quite comfortable with that format. So mm-hmm. I've now moved on to writing short stories, and these are like you know between six and. 20 page stories yep. telling more of a sequential story as opposed to the diary comic which is more sort of events but you know buffed up buffed it up together uh mm-hmm. but i feel i feel so comfortable with the four pan- panel format i'm just i'm creating these short stories within within that look so i'm i'm drawing up um a panel at a time but constructing them as four on a page to right okay story so, so yeah, the, so the 10, so that particular size is, is good though in the past, like, and I'll, I'll probably go back to it maybe even after this project to have another go at multi-panel pages with different size panels. Um, Cause I haven't done that for a while and I kind of missed that actually. So right. I might go back and have a bit of a crack at that um, again and see what, what happens. Is it, is it just a matter of continually changing um, the modes and, and the way you do things? Is it, is that a the natural evolution of you moving from like single panel to the four panel and then to multi-size panels? Um, is it just a way of, of keeping things fresh for yourself? Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think it just happens very organically. Like I'll one day just start to maybe, or maybe I'll like start to do it, or maybe I'll get a someone, you know, in the comic community might be putting together an anthology and they want a couple of pages and, the brief is something very specific. So I'll push myself to do something that fits a brief or mm-hmm. it might be a job. And it makes sense to do multi-panel page because of using the space in a more efficient manner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think mostly it's uh, to do with thinking about my interest in comics in general. I read a lot of comics and graphic novels. Um, so I'm always like interested in how other artists arrange pages and tell stories. I teach sometimes and I talk about the way panels relate to each other, the way they show the passage of time and things changing and the way different panel sizes indicate different sorts of information in the story and how mm-hmm. they're all, you know, specifically chosen for a purpose yep. as well as the content that's within them and looking at like how the page works as a whole, I find really interesting um, at the moment. Mm-hmm. When I'm drawing, I don't actually put a lot of thought into how each panel communicates with each other until I finish them all and put them on the wall and go, oh, and get a bit of a surprise. I don't, I'm not worrying about what one panel is saying to the next, like in terms of, well, I am like in terms of story, but not in terms of sort of image so much. I just have faith right? because the images are all working in, with the same symbolic language the whole way through that they will have enough to communicate to each other. As long as the story. So, what's the process there? Do you would you necessarily would you write the story, and then because it sounds like you're saying you don't lay out the imagery. I don't do it as a whole. No, not at all. Okay. No, I sometimes I don't even write a whole script. Like at the moment, I'm working on a story, and I know I know how I want it to end. I know the ending definitely. I've written a third of it. Um, on mm-hmm. the wall, stuck up on the wall there. Um. And I, and every, okay. So every time I, I go with, I go with whatever's like, uh, if there's too much of a struggle and there's too much of a wall, I tend to 
go the go the path that might have a bit of resistance but it's not fully like causing me like distress or anxiety or mm-hmm. like or, or dislike for the project because I love right. comics I love dream yeah. I just love it like I'm just really enjoy it and so I, I don't mind this I don't mind um if something's a little bit difficult or needs some problem solving or a bit of like effort put into it but yep. if it's getting to the point where it's a blockage then I'll I'll have to think about my process and so at the moment I'm having to work on a story that I can't write the whole thing in one go. I can't I can't work from a script that is complete. I'm having to do it in stages. Wow. So I know the basic kind of skeletal structure of the story and I know the things that I really want to have in the story, but all the things that are linking all the parts of it and all the different layers, I'm having to do um, a chunk at a time. Like the latest chunk is three pages. After these three pages, I, I'm not really quite sure where it's going to go. Wow. I know how it's going to end. I just don't know how to. So by the, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking by the time I finish these three pages, I'll be ready for the next phase of the story. So it's a little bit like. Isn't that, isn't. Yeah. It's a weird way of working. And normally like I would work from a script, but for this particular story, it's just not happening for me. I just can't. Right. So it just, it depends on the project then. It's not necessarily yeah. the way that you would work without, you know, doing the trapeze without a net. Yeah, normally I would have a little bit of a rough script, but I tend to like, I tend to know the narration, for example, if it's a narrated piece, I, or if there's narration, I tend to have that pretty sorted from beginning to end. But things like dialogue and the imagery, I I just leave to the moment that I'm sitting in front of the panel and I figure it out. And I maybe figure out a few panels in a row. Like I might do three panels where I figured out roughly the, do a little bit of penciling of roughly the imagery or maybe 12 panels. It's just... Sorry, it's not. I'm not being very particular. Very. Um... No, no, no. It's it's great. I suppose in talking with so many different people, and and even just knowing the way I would put something together, I wouldn't even start drawing until I knew exactly where everything was going. No. And okay. and I, su- I I suppose in some respect that could well be boring for 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 particular artists that just you know it, I suppose it's not necessarily freeing or allowing you to make discoveries along the way. Yeah, but uh, I guess it all just de- depends on how you look at it. I I recently spoke with Katie Hatton Ward, and and she said she overdrew, she drew thirty pages of her book mm. before and scrapped them because they weren't going in the direction that she wanted to yeah, go to. Wow. And my brain just boggles at the amount of work that ends up on the floor when you do one hundred and eighty pages for a hundred and twenty page book. Yeah. You know? Well, it's um, I don't know. I think I think. For me, like I've always, I've never like worked full time as a cartoonist, and sometimes mm-hmm. I have a bit of a chip on my shoulder about not having dedicated more time to creating or doing what I do. I think I probably would be, you know, a much better cartoonist, maybe doing more, more bigger, ambitious projects if I dedicated more time to it. Um, because I've had other jobs that aren't creative, I've always had time is is a limited thing, yeah. and. I, I guess I have this pressure on myself. I don't have much time. I have to get it right the first time, basically, or the second time. Yeah. I can't. That's it. And it has to be good enough. So I tend to be, I tend to just work quickly and fairly intuitively. Like I, mm-hmm. um, if I don't like something, I'll scrap it immediately. I won't, I won't go through with the whole say panel. If, if I get to a point and I, I go, no, nah, I just chuck it. Cause I, I get that feeling of it's just not good. 
Um, and I, yep. I get it right the second time, but I don't tend to like, I wouldn't do many, many, many uh, versions of something unless it was a job that I'm doing that I'm where I'm collaborating with other people and it's uh, maybe a commission job or something. I would work differently because other people are involved, but when I'm working for myself, um, creating my own stories, I have the luxury of just sort of making up as I go. And would you would you say that the, the parameters that you place upon yourself actually make make you a better uh, creative from your perspective? Uh, I think I I just I create work that uh, I like myself. I like yep. my own like I read back on my own work and and I. I hope to like what I've created. Mm-hmm. And then if I like it myself, I'm I have I'm really hoping that some other absolute mutants out there might like it as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm yeah, not yeah. the only and I'm not the only like um person <laughs> that has a brain like this. Yeah. So I I I don't worry. I, I just I just go with whatever feels right for me and and I like I enjoy looking back on like my stories and I like entertain myself. Like I sit like a absolute dickhead, like looking at a panel and like a kid who's drawn a picture of an ass, just laughing quietly to myself, like <laughs> <laughs> like four decades later, I'm still doing the same bloody thing as I did when I was like a child. But um nothing wrong with that. It's fun. Yeah. And and also I get like um, you know, script like I think that uh, another good point is scripts and stories and working processes as much as they are you know things that are concrete on the page or on the computer or even sketched majority of it for me personally is in my head so Mm -hmm. it lives in my head it's like I've got my computer in my head it's my brain and I just you know all the data is on there and sometimes it'll be in these weird magical kind of bizarre moments where you, you probably have that as well you get flashes of what could be for a part of the story you get a flash or you get a just yep. you know it comes out of nowhere like I had this like I don't know I was in the shower mm-hmm. or something and it's like a story about a police officer that was a real turd <laughs> and and I just started imagining the image of this I didn't want to show the face but I wanted to show aspects of the face so I thought I could show them from the nose down and mm-hmm. I, I could see that I could see it like going with this particular bit of text so I ran upstairs and quickly did that you know like just those little flashes of what could work um for different parts of the story that happen mm-hmm. at all you know all times of the day um not necessarily sitting at the drawing desk yeah working working outside of comics how much do you think that influences what you do i mean you do say you do diaries and stuff like that but yeah. but you know all the all the jobs that you've done outside of are strictly your own comics yeah um do they have uh, do they have a large influence on on your work Definitely, yeah. Um, I think that the majority of the work I do now, I work in um, disability as a disability support worker and mm-hmm. a huge amount of that work, is it's either full on and everything's happening all at once or there's not a lot happening and you have to, but you have to be present because you're working with yeah. not only human beings but sometimes vulnerable human beings. And so you might have to sit and, you know, be around someone and just not do much for four hours and except yeah. to just be there basically and so it's like I think it I think it's trained me to be more aware of what's happening around me because I have mm-hmm. to be like it's part of my job description is to be really noticing the smaller details because sometimes yeah. it's got to do with people's safety and well-being yeah. and also 
within that, noticing my own inner state while I'm in that circumstance, Mm -hmm. being in a job where you have to be professional, but you're often exposed to situations that make you feel like you've got some churning tumultuous ocean inside of you. That's just about to come screaming out your nose, but you have to maintain a face of absolute calm professionalism Mm -hmm. for the sake of your job and for the sake of your clients. So yeah, it's that kind of balancing act, I guess. Well, you have you have all the all my admiration. Uh, I've got I've I've known quite a few people who have been been working who have worked in that sector, and uh, I, I I've I've entertained doing it myself at, at times throughout my life, yep. and uh, I just I couldn't. There's I don't think I could. Yeah, it's 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 remar- it's a remarkable. Uh, remarkable job and you you know or you, you know exactly what i'm talking about yeah. just the, what you need to be able to be in that position to do those jobs and it's and um you have my utmost respect for doing that it's it's out of control just how much how involved they can be those positions you know being a disability support worker yeah, yeah and, and it's great and and also like it's 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 a really fantastic job I love it I love it and it's funny I I just only read like in the last few years I've just gone fuck I really like I really love my job you know I really do as much as sometimes I come home and I'm like oh, boo, that was so hard and usually it's not to do with the people I'm supporting it's to do with other people yeah. <laughs> actually another like good um point that I was thinking of in terms of how working influences what I do is that uh, yeah a lot of like a lot of uh, so two things I think a lot of the way I interact with people is to do with nonverbal communication. So reading body language, getting a feeling from somebody, getting a, getting to know someone's very particular nuance sort of expression and, and forming like a dynamic with other people. And also it's like, I have a lot of fun at work because as much as sometimes, you know, it, like it sounds, it can be challenging like any job. It's a sort of work where it can be really like outrageous. It can be, you find yourself having permission to be a little bit like wild, a bit, you know, unconventional (laughs) in terms of like supporting people. Like, uh, and I laugh a lot at work, like particularly when I get to know certain clients, um, I come home and I think, I think, Oh fuck. I just laughed all afternoon. It had like the most hilarious weird scenarios that you'd never probably find in lots of different sorts of work environments and yeah I'm so grateful for that because what it does is when I get back to my work and I'm writing about my real life experiences I feel a little bit more brave to be a little bit more myself be a little bit like bring yep. that that awed kind of when when awed when I I don't know when I my humor I guess that that I like to push sometimes particularly with my closest confidence and friends and yep. partner and family and and workplace situation that maybe not everybody gets to see because you feel like you can only do it in an environment that you feel safe in and I guess I'm like feel safe in my comics to express those parts of myself and I think work Mm -hmm. has really helped with that because oh wow a way to like improve like really helps situations at work is like stepping out of your comfort zone and you have to dance spontaneously you have to sing spontaneously (laughs) you have to like you have to do all sorts of stuff that you like normally I would just be like I couldn't do this in front of like other people but at work I can do it I can can start you know I can get up in front of 50 people and sing Lady Gaga songs if I'm at work because it's I have to it's part of my job description (laughs) that's right that's right yeah I was gonna say yeah like no way I'd be like (laughs) 
I'd be running down the goddamn street going home and watching Netflix and no way. But yeah. So yeah. So it's you know, it's yeah, just it, like it, it, it makes you feel less um restricted and just like uh, and writing down all the kind of stuff that that is just kind of in your brain that feels really exciting and free, but that you're mm. almost scared to admit to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good to yeah, it's good to be able to. Um, and it takes like practice. I've had I have this whole thing of everything takes practice. Like, you, you know, to be and to have empathy takes practice. To be able to be spontaneous and not be self conscious takes practice. It's just you get you do it every day and you just kind of practice and you get better at it. Like no matter what, it is really yeah. And I was gonna I was gonna mention as well. I had this other job that I did for years and years, particularly when I was doing my last book, and it was in customer service working with the public. And that as well is something that really is an influence because of um, of the the all the different sorts of interactions that you have that you have no control over, and you have to in the moment be reacting and being yourself, being authentic, but also being careful, being skillful. Um, you know all those things that you balance when you're in a situation that you haven't planned, uh, mm-hmm. which everyone mm-hmm. has every day. I- but- People and customers, yeah. they have a lot. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, I've been, uh, I've been in customer service for, yeah. for many, many years and, and I wholeheartedly agree. If, in, in fact, I, I think it was, it's probably been the best education in regards to how to deal with people, yeah. and different types of people, because it's, I'm astounded even to this day, how many different people I interact with mm-hmm. and how each interaction is different. You know, it still blows my mind that, you know, yeah, sure, there might be similarities, but everybody's so different in the way that they ask a question, mm-hmm. react to something. And, you know, from from being yelled at to being sworn at to being thanked to being um, admired, you know, it's such an it's such a, an amazing array. Yeah. Just being in this one position and, and particularly considering that I work in a radio station, I get all manner of 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 callers and listeners and yep. complainants and it's 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 uh yeah it's it's out of out of this yeah. world I, and I, you just I understand you, and you abuse I guess you would understand there yeah, you would understand you you sometimes you just gotta be really open you gotta you gotta like have that pause button on before reacting to be a little bit more like open to what's actually going on here you know what's yeah. and and not only like what's what am I perceiving from someone outside of my what am I perceiving from someone I've just met what are they perceiving about me like what kind mm. of things do people do I feel like people are you know maybe unconscious bias or prejudice people are putting on me because yeah. of my position or the way I look or my gender or you know anything like what are what what are we meeting like in terms of our own particular and I find all that stuff yeah. curious and it actually is like it's actually instigates a lot of my um, ideas for stories is interactions with other people and the bigger the bigger like unfolding questions about where people are coming from, from within that moment in their lives and the chemistry involved in that. I find that really, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I have an interest in that too. Just, it's an interesting thing to think about mm. uh, because not everybody calling up and screaming at me is because of something that I've done, you know, or, you know, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just the, the punching bag at the end of the day. There is something else going on beneath that. And, um, and can sometimes I say, I, I'm so sorry that people would ring up and scream at you. I don't understand why, <laughs> but 
No, no, neither do I. Neither do I, Mandy. Yeah, neither do I. And, and it's I, I, I do find it, I find it quite remarkable that I've been called a lot of things. Really, I've been sworn at a lot. Um, I'm, I'm sad to to say that a lot of the times when we've had people complain, mm-hmm. and it's always an old white man, and it drives me nuts that that shit keeps happening. Yeah, it's very. It, it does like I think, I think when you recognise that that someone is yeah presuming stuff about you because of all those factors about you what you know your outward presentation to the world it it's it doesn't still a massive sense of rage internal rage because you know we all feel fairly you know equal internally definitely in terms of our yeah. strengths and our intellect and our abilities and so when we feel like you know, there there is some sort of any sort of prejudice because of other all the other factors um I definitely feel it and I but I do channel that into my work I try to even though my work's not necessarily over the top rage fueled I do find <laughs> ways, like I find ways to balance out the the honesty of the emotions that I've yep. felt in the moment and also and also how that ties into the how that's transformed over time in terms of being able to reflect on it without that kind of you know fiery rage that I felt in the moment I can remember the fiery rage I felt in the moment but then I've also got that ability to sort of be interested and curious about it and to try and make it into something a bit more sort of meaningful I guess yeah Um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we're stepping outside of it out of out of it the whole thing and looking at it like an observer even though I'm the participant which is whole my what my work's about is is it's about me and it's about my experiences but it's like it's from an observational point of view from myself, another part of myself looking, looking over it and looking and, and being curious about it. So like there's a few different versions of yourself interacting, you know? Yeah. It all makes sense to me. Yeah. Absolutely. Particularly all the observational stuff. I suppose it's also a, a way of, of exercising the, the rage, not necessarily showcasing it, but, but more so uh, exploring it and finding a way to express the way you're feeling as such yeah. and, and, and then come into grips with, with how you're feeling about it and, mm-hmm. and what impacts that has. Yeah. It's like in real life, it's like when you, you know, someone pisses you off and you, you just like, I, I don't really do, do it often, but, or like say I'm driving in the car and someone's just being an absolute dick. And I, I, you know, on occasion I've just been like, fuck off, you know, and maybe even the finger <laughs> or something, which I don't do, I don't really do anymore because there's so many, there's so many unknowables out there that someone might come and like yeah. ride, you know, um, ram me off the road and friggin' murder you or something. So I don't tend to yep. do that. <laughs> I tend to um, hold it in, but it's, it doesn't, it's not like, it's only short-term satisfying. It's kind of doesn't really, it just it makes me feel a bit yuck afterwards. And I find mm-hmm. it more like I'll think it and I'll maybe swear a bit in the car, but then I'll, I'll later, you know, uh, think more deeply about it and, in, and, and it calms me rather than thinking that like the knee, knee jerk reaction is going to do anything. It's going to solve the problem. It's going to make me feel better. It usually just doesn't. I, I, for me, it's the level of stupidity of the other drivers. Mm-hmm. That's what really it's, it depends on the level of the stupidity of the act. And like, sometimes it can just be funny because it's so like this, this is so dumb. And you just, I just end up laughing at it. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's just infuriating and I just yeah. find yelling at this, the windscreen just makes me feel better. <laughs> revenge is really good like 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 say um you know someone's tailgating you like 
and I'm just like, I'm in front of you, so I can drive even slower. <laughs> oh, yes. And there's how how you sweet can do about it. Hey! <laughs> yeah, so that I is such a that's a sweet move. Little nasty little things like that that you can do. <laughs> you can tell that I drive in peak hour traffic a lot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, no, I'm a big fan of the. Oh, you're driving way faster than the limit that I'm that we're allowed to, and you're trying to you're trying to climb up over me. So I'm just gonna go at eighty instead of a hundred. Yeah. Yo, sweet. Yeah, revenge. yeah, mm. love it. Yeah, it is. It is so sweet that revenge. <laughs> Probably <laughs> dangerous, but ah well. Wow. Ah. Yeah. You're listening to Graphic Nature. We'll return right after this short message. Hi, hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Graphic Nature on whatever podcast service you use. Uh, maybe even rate it while you're there. Uh, it'd be great if you could throw us some likes and or follows on Facebook, Instagram and uh, Twitter as well. For more info, check out the website, graphicnature.media. I appreciate you listening. Uh, thanks again and enjoy the rest of the episode. Considering that you know you're having a lot of these moments uh, that are rooted in in what you do outside of comics and bringing it back into comics, and particularly with the way that let's say you're working customer service and, and how you see yourself versus what they see, um, and and you said you have to you have to become uh, a particular type of person that can handle uh, you know whatever it is that's thrown at you. Yep. How have you interpreted or, or how do you manage let's say criticism of your work? If you have experienced criticism later about your work. Yeah, I, I tend to like, I don't have a lot of things said or I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't like get massive amounts of feedback, to be honest with you. Like I get not, not a lot, like a little bit. I don't know. I, I guess like anyone, like criticism can hurt because you, you know, it, it, it's never as bad as, the criticism that you give yourself I don't think like I definitely can mm. be pretty hard on myself and and also like you know sometimes can, criticism can be good because it it can be painfully um like uh making you aware of something that already exists inside of you and I think the reason that it's painful is because you it's already there so it yeah right it's like a it's like already a sore spot that someone's been rubbing with maybe what they're saying but I I don't know I don't I don't worry too much about I don't get a lot of like negative criticism thankfully um and if I did get a lot I maybe like people don't have to read it if they don't want to mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of really good cartoonists out there and we're all really different I try my hardest with the time that I've got I stay true to my vision I love what I do so I I, I do want to like evolve and try new things and get better you know I guess everybody does so yeah. I look back on 20 years of doing comics and I'm I feel really pleased with how the journey's going and where it is at That's the great. moment and I'm and that makes me look forward to the next 20 years you know it's like wow I wonder geez what geez what am I going to be doing you know in 20 years it's it's quite it's quite cool to think about but yeah the, maybe a 400 page graphic novel fuck yeah or maybe a couple <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Criti- like the the sting of criticism is probably yeah more about what it's awakening and that already exists inside. It doesn't help sometimes, but and also comics are really freaking hard. Some like I mean they're they're complex. They're hard in that they're they're very involved, and I think everyone who draws comics understands how involved they are. They I mean they're they're joyful and they're amazing to create, but they they can be challenging. And and I think that 
you know, sometimes like if you get like criticism, I think, I think, well, you go bloody draw it, you know, like it's, you know, just, or have a go, like have a go at, and, and yeah. see how there's a, so much that goes into so much thought, so much energy, so much passion, so much of everything and solitude as well that goes into creating them. I think, I think people maybe just be careful about if you're going to give criticism, just have it be constructive and, you know, and be like encouraging as well. Cause mm-hmm. we want more people drawing comics, particularly, you know, in this country, we want to encourage people to go for it. And people, people learn on their own as well. Yeah. 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 I think I think particularly of late the the um, the numbers of of creators are growing oh, exponentially. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good to see. So good to see. Um, yeah. Yeah. With regard to criticism, uh, how often have you worked on projects well, where you actually are dealing with an editor, and then how have those <laughs> how have those experiences been for you? Considering that for a lot of your work you're essentially the editor yourself. Yeah. What's the, how, how is it different? Yep. Um, so I think, I think coming from a self-publishing background, I was always, you know, I was the sole creator, editor, producer of my work. So I, mm-hmm. I am very, I, I know what I like. I know how I think I want things to be. I haven't had a lot of input from other people in terms of a lot of like the creation of my stories or the finished product of my stories. So when I, yeah. first, when I started working with say publishers, you know, like the Finlay Lloyd fellows, Alan and Unwen and Brow Books. Mm-hmm. I went into all of those experiences uh, knowing knowing what the dynamic was when I walked into it and agreed to it. And I think that's the key. Right, right. So yeah, I knew yeah. that walking in that I would be, be given constructive criticism about editing and I agreed to it. So it was just, you know, if I, if I, if I had walked in and, and it was all sort of been taken by surprise, it would have been difficult yeah yeah fair enough but I think a lot of like the people I've worked with really great people and who have 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 invested and you know supported me with my projects because they already know my work and they like my work they they like to they didn't really want me to change much of what I already do and when they did give me constructive advice it was mostly for the most part it was really good and useful and I never ever had to make many changes to my work Oh, wow. That's great. I often presented finished products anyway, to a degree. And even before I show work to, for example, to Brow Books, before I even presented the work to them, I had edited it four times before myself. I'd gone right. through it and at least four times and changed it to my liking. And so by the time it got to them, most of the editing was grammatical. It was yep. spelling, you know, grammar, all that kind of thing not so much in terms way to be nitpicky yeah yeah which is good i need that like i i you know my because i didn't study writing so yeah my i don't put commas in the right spot and my spelling can be pretty atrocious even if i'm still being careful i can still make quite a lot of mistakes so i think yeah i've never had a really i've never had a negative experience even even what i thought was a negative experience at first like if i say get commissioned to do a 10 page story and then they've they've asked me which is this is a real thing that happened they they were like there's nothing wrong with the story, but we just don't have the page numbers anymore to give you. So can you drop it to eight? So I'm like, yeah. okay, I've got to slash two pages of my 10 page story. So I had to edit. Right. And, and, and I was like, so I did it. And you know what? I was like, Oh my God, it made it better. It made yeah, it better. right. So then I, and then after that, they still needed me to cut it. So they, I cut it to six. Cause they, oh, geez. they, yeah, they still didn't have the page. So this is slashing four pages off a 10 page story. And at that point there was this little bit of, 
probably it, I've cut a little bit too much, but it still worked. Yeah. And, and that was the most amazing lesson in editing that I ever had was having to do it and make it work because mm-hmm. of necessity. And it, and after that, I realized that I'm, I have to be more open to, yeah, an editing process. Um, and I think in the future, when I do more like long term, long um, form comics, like graphic novels or longer stories, there'll definitely be a lot more editing involved if I work with publishers in the future. But I will make sure to like, I always like make sure the communication is really clear from the beginning of a contract or in a professional relationship that we all know yeah. where we stand basically. And also that I like, you know, I, it's my work. So I, I have the say of, I can't put out something into the world that I don't believe in. It's not it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But most, most of the people, like, I mean, everyone I've worked with has been very respectful. I've been very, very, very fortunate so far to work with really passionate, really respectful people. So I suppose, yeah, that makes a, a lot of a difference if they understand what you're doing and, yeah. and how you do it. Yeah. That's great. Uh, stick, still sticking in, uh, in the realm of editing. Uh, what do you, do you ever, once you finish a project, do you ever kind of give it to someone who doesn't read comics and, and see what the reactions are? Like, have you ever thought about before you, you kind of put the, the final stamp on it? Um, just seeing what general reactions would be from, from other people? No, no, I don't, oh. no, I, I don't share it. I don't share, I don't share my work until it's and done except with my partner, but that's it no well was, that's what i mean like you know not necessarily in a professional capacity but anybody like a friend or yeah. or someone essentially like a, a second pair of eyes looking over stuff and just going yeah that's cool you know well, or, you, or oh, i don't know yeah sometimes like like i'll i'll get like jode will come in and i'll say i'll be like oh, i just yeah i just did this um you know panel or page or whatever and she'll like she goes hmm and I'll, and that, you know, no, not even words sometimes. And I'll go, oh, no, it's not working, is it? Like, I'll kind of, you know, and I, I really take that quite seriously. Um, mm-hmm. But I, but I tend to not show anybody, no, I don't, I don't, I just don't do that. I think I'm probably, I'm scared of that a little bit. I'm sort of scared yeah. of particularly people who I really, who I um, have a lot of admiration and respect for. I don't know, like, I, so even even in even so even sorry even even in a professional capacity you won't you won't show uh, let's say an editor for instance uh, particular sections that uh, might possibly be troubling you or is it just you like you said earlier it's they don't see it until I'm done no okay so I, I think I've got two good examples of that so I worked on a I worked on a book with Chalk Boy which was um, a children's yep book, and. So again, the agreement at the beginning was, of that was very collaborative. I was doing the images, but but I knew that like I, I had to go through a lot of processes like storyboard and concept art, and and there was quite a lot of changes, and there was a lot of input. And I felt like like I knew my position as an illustrator, in, but not so much as a cartoonist. So mm-hmm. I was very happy to just go with what to try everything that people were suggesting. You know, draw it like this, draw it like in a circle, draw maybe do this and this, you know, and I, I just thought, all right, cool. I went off and I just had a go, you know, and I, you know, and I'm one of these people, if someone says, can you just do a picture of, you know, someone holding a basketball, I will draw 10 pictures that are slightly varied of someone holding a basketball so that they can choose, which is the one they like the best. And this saves me from the, 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 the torture of having one image picked apart because I've given so many different versions of it there's going to be one that's going to fit 
or at least get close that's to right. it. Yeah. And that gives yeah. that just saves me a whole lot of trouble. It, a lot of people are like, Jesus, you, that, that's a lot of work to do for one job. But for me, it's worth it in the in the long run because I know that I've pretty much covered everything that would have come up anyway. Yeah. And I was just thinking about the, okay, so the new project I'm working on, I'm working on a book of short stories for a publisher that, that's going yep. to be published next year. And I have been sending through finished stories. What Like every once in a while, I'll finish through a finished story to the publisher to have a look at and to read. Yep. At this point, like I think we're we're both clear that I'm I'm not looking for any editing advice at this point. It's more like this is what I'm done, and then yeah. once I get so the idea my my tactic is once I've completed a mass of short stories, then we can get them all together and then start talking about editing at that point. And I'll have right. the luxury of having so many stories, we can just pick and choose. Like which ones which go. ones flow together which yeah. order they can go in exactly and you know, then basically the, like mastering an album exactly and then the finer details of what's within the content of the story can then be looked at as well and i'm ready for it i'm, I'm psyched for I'm, I'm getting myself pumped for like working with working with people who know words as well because i think most of the the editing advice i'm going to get will be the the, the narration aspect of mm-hmm. the stories it won't be so much probably the imagery it'll be Yep. How the narration flows. If if um, I've been repetitive, if words just don't quite work well together, all that stuff that editors, which is the valuable thing that editors can really offer, and yeah. imp- and definitely improve on my work. So I'm actually looking forward to that. I think I think my work will definitely like it'll be strengthened by input from an editor at that stage. The particular editor that's that's working with you for, or the the, the publisher that's working with you for this current project. Yep. Would you say that they're more inclined towards the written word or do they fully understand uh, the visual aspect of, of what you're doing? They're definitely more inclined towards the, the written word, but they have a, a massive interest in comics and graphic novels and, right. and okay. can see that and, and, and are really excited to be publishing content like this. But yes, I think yeah, their input will be to do with the with the, the use of words. Yep. Yeah, right. And that's and that's good because again, like I do sometimes feel like a something I could could strengthen in my practice is my writing skills with words. So, so it, is, it is nice to see that uh, there's a there's quite a few uh, Australian publisher publishing houses that are looking towards pushing more Australian uh, comics work and and publishing more comics out there. So that you know that's that's great. It's, it's, fantastic yeah not something you know that even 10 years ago or not not even probably like yeah. longer maybe not even five years ago. years ago yeah like i think yeah. yeah exactly it's all it's all um just changing really rapidly and in so many different ways and so many different levels it's it's exciting and and it's it's nice to look back and just and also have a real nostalgic kind of warmth warm feeling for the old days of being truly underground and having your, you know, writing to your <laughs> mates um, across the country and getting together and drinking beer and drawing comics and talking about what ifs and, you know, making all your own shit and doing anthologies and all that. It's like, it's just all good. Like, it's all like really nice to look back and also look forward to the future. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's cool. It makes me feel old. Because <laughs> 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 you're really old. No, no. <laughs> Experienced is the way you should look at it. Exactly. And uh, you you mentioned how much you love uh, how much you love uh, paper and, and pens and inks. 
have you have you worked in the digital realm with regard to your comics at all? No, no, not at all. Is it is it something? Is it you're not comfortable with it, or you just don't like the idea of it? Oh, my excuse is I just never learned. I never had. I never took the time to learn how to use computers and like you know only I can do the basic things of like anybody because mm-hmm. it's easier nowadays to use programs and software. But um, I just never like I don't even I don't know how to use photoshop i don't i don't even know how to scan properly like i always need people to like give me little tips on how to freaking scan something to be print quality just things like that mm-hmm. but i just i just never really i've just never really been so interested i think you know i didn't really use computers until i don't know when it was i guess when we all you know people like in, when you're in your 40s when you were in your 20s or something even then i well uh, well i'm 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 40 plus and, and I, and I would say that it was around about 18, 19, 20 is when computers really started getting into, into the publishing realm. I I know that when I did a, I did a, an arts course, uh, would have been surely around my twenties and it was just then where they started integrating Photoshop and, and, and illustrating all that kind of stuff into the classrooms yeah. up until then, like we were still with, we, they were still teaching us gouache and inks and, you know, all the principles of traditional media. Yeah. But I think like, it's not, and it's not, and that's it. It's not across the board for everybody. Like a lot of people who I was drawing comics with have gone immerse themselves in, in creating things digitally and very well. I just, I just never, I was just, it just never really was something I was interested in. I, my greatest sort of pleasure and joy and pull was just to sit at a desk and draw on a piece of paper. When I did attempt to put energy into learning things like Photoshop and, and other software, I found all I, I sat looking at the computer and all I was doing was looking at my drawing desk, (laughs) wishing, wishing I was there. And I was like, fuck it. And so I would, I would just go and do that. Again, time was so precious. It was like, you know, I would have done an eight-hour shift and come home and had two hours. Am I going to spend two hours sitting at a computer struggling to use software or am I going to sit and draw? So that was the choice. Yeah. Um, I did study yeah, fair enough. I studied animation. So we had we sort of had in 2001. And so we had, you know, some people were using computers to create the content of their animations. I hand-drew the whole thing. <laughs> um, and oh, my Lord. Yeah, but only, and used, <laughs> used computers in terms of the construction and the editing oh, yep. um, and the sound design, which I really enjoyed. But in terms of the creation, it was all still hand-drawn. I'm not, but, I, you know, I'm def- definitely open to, to it, to learning, you know, doing some things digitally in the future and drawing, you know, on a, t- a tablet. See, I don't even know what the right words are to use. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Very bad. Because um, you do, I mean, you do post stuff online. Oh, yeah, yeah. So all that uh, stuff is that, well, because I can, I know how to work that and I just put. Because that's a matter of just doing an analog drawing and taking a photo and then yeah. and putting it up, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, easy. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's my idea of like using computers, just like take a photo, put it up on, on the computer. Easy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but, oh, but in saying that, like, there have been some really cool things that I've done that I've had. You know, I guess there's always people out there that, that know how to do it, and you can. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't have to be a solitary thing. You can you can have, you can have either you pay people, or they do you a favor, or it's a job or whatever. There's there are people that know how to do stuff like going down swinging recently for their latest issue. They had AR content, and I had a piece that you know when you put your phone over it, it starts sort of animating. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. I, obviously, I wouldn't be able to do that myself, but. You know, I was lucky enough to get commissioned to create work where they had someone on board who was 
expert, you know, the expertise was creating that AR content. So I love working in that capacity because I don't have to learn all that myself. There's no reason for me, yeah. to learn that, you know, but I can still have a digital online presence with the help of other people, basically. That's great. Yeah. I suppose in, in saying that, then you would consider at some point learning some of the digital realm stuff. Yeah, I would. I would definitely consider learning it. I just, in my current situation, is um, it's not quite possible, but, you know, in the future mm-hmm. it might be more possible. But I would I would be open to it. And I, I, I'm kind of aware that people do access material online, you know, a lot, but... I still like buy a lot of graphic novels and comics and have bookshelves full of them. And I know people are still buying books and, and, you know, it's definitely my first love will be that content in that format. But, but yeah, like I, I think, yeah, having some more of an online presence is, you know, it's not a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) Having comics read, like, yeah. Like, I mean, even the comics that I, um, when, when we had our first lockdown, there was a few grants that were going out in terms of like creating work for potential online publishing and yep. so these four panel these um little individual panel format comics were actually perfect because they were big enough to you know be able to see be seen on the screen and almost be like a slideshow of stories yep. right, one after the other rather than next to each other you know it sort of suited it suited the page and it suited the screen at the same time so i like i like that idea as well did it go through did it happen not did that you do it okay <laughs> <laughs> like good feedback it didn't quite make it to the screen but okay okay because it's uh, you know all the drawings are sitting in a little folder over there and hopefully they'll make it to the page (laughs) but i'm just trying to think i don't think no not a huge amount and that's it it's like it it also depends on what people want like you know if if i get approached i'm the sort of person like i'm not very good at approaching i'm good at Mm -hmm. being approached in terms like I always find when I approach, it just never works out. I just, it just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't I, know. You, you and every other comic artist I've spoken to so? pretty much. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not, it's not a, a unique thing. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it, it's all, it's all wrapped up in that, in that self-criticism kind of realm that n- not necessarily that you don't, well, this is my perception anyway of most people I've spoken to. It's got, it, it actually has nothing to do with how good the work is. Yeah. It's got more to do with how you feel about the relationship of your work with the audience. Yeah. Yeah. And because as far as I'm concerned, most people wouldn't put stuff out that they didn't feel like they were proud of on some level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, t- I tend to like approach like, you know, to do online content or even printed content in whatever I tend to have something finished and, and give finished pieces because they're done mm-hmm. rather than like have something like an idea, like a, like a pitching an idea. I tend to like just do it and then have it ready to go. So considering the formats that, that you work in, particularly now, yeah. uh, have you, have you thought about pushing some of these like four panel, uh, four panel uh, stories to publications that would like print them on a regular basis or, you know, if you smash them out once a week or, or is it something that you're not interested in at all? No, I'd definitely be interested. I just don't know who would do something like that, like in terms of regular, like a regular mm-hmm. story. Uh, I, I can't. I mean, there's things that come out quarterly. There's, in terms of, I have no idea about online, like, presence of comics. As oh, I, I'm talking even even print, like print, uh, newspapers yeah. or, yeah, or no, places like that. Yeah, I did, I did attempt to, like, approach doing a regular comic for uh, like a newspaper, but nothing, 
I just got silence back, which is oh. fine. It's just being normal. And I think I've like, I have tried in the past, but I think, I think I've just got a lot of like silence. So I've just let that go. I just figured out, well, they, you know, but I've been really like in saying that, like a lot of them, like the best jobs I've ever worked on, you know, I've got these emails out of nowhere. It's why, you know, I'm a bit addicted to email. Cause you're like, all the good shit comes by email. Like all the like, <laughs> like you know, when, the, when the email comes you're like sometimes you just get the most surprising like offers of doing these amazing like jobs from these random people who are out there just suddenly maybe they start thinking about you and your work and then you get an email mm-hmm. saying do you want to do this and I'm like hell yeah like whatever it is um like you know one of the jobs I did was the doing some um some comic sort of artwork for the NBN boxes in Albury oh wow the streets of Albury and it was in collaboration with Wurundjeri uh, language experts from the mm-hmm. region and it was like oh my god that job came out of nowhere and and I was I just read it and went whoa that's just so out there like so different to anything that I yeah, yeah, yeah. do and I was like yeah and I thought I'm saying yeah and I'm like oh my god I have no idea what I'm going to be doing <laughs> that'd be terrifying but it was it you know it works out it just worked out really well so I t- I have faith that like things pop up when they then when they need to pop up and mm-hmm. I never feel like I'm overworked and I never feel like I don't have enough like it's been pretty nicely consistent over the last couple of years of having just enough like projects coming and going to then have everything else happening at the same time so which nice. is probably why I don't instigate a lot of contact to try and get work happening and work out there because I've got enough kind of trickling in Except not lately because of what's been happening in the world. Yeah, well, I don't think anyone's that, got anything trickling I in at the moment. That might be across the board for everybody, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah but, uh, save for an exception, uh, save for, you know, uh, a small few. But, yeah, um, I agree. I think most people are kind of in the same boat in that respect. Yeah. Uh, you, you do have something coming up uh, later in the year, the uh, Comics Art Workshop uh, residency. Uh, yes. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I, I, I haven't been, I haven't been to any of them myself since they've mm-hmm. be, begun. But I've always been following keenly, like all the, um, you know, social media posts and stories and sort of all the things that have come out of it over the years, um, yeah. with interest. Because I look quite a few of the people who, or many of the people who have been part of it for so many years, I, I know personally, I've met in the last couple of years, I've mentored a few people yep. in saying that I feel weird saying that because these are like really exceptional cartoonists that don't particularly need me as a mentor, <laughs> but I happen <laughs> to have been requested by them in the past to, to mentor them. But I really, I just got to know these amazing, um, particularly young cartoonists who are doing like the most incredible work. Like it blows. When I look at what I was doing, like not to make comparisons, but really like when I was in my early twenties, holy shit, like, the, the work that these people are doing is mind-blowing. But I, I think I, it's an interesting point you bring up. Yeah. And, and uh, I'll say this uh, in your in your defense, that I, I actually don't think that's a, a, a true a true representation because let's say when you started out, it was a very different world. The scene was very, very different. Yeah. It was just completely different. It was really you know? different. And, yeah. you, you know, it's, it's, it's different comparing, or it's, I should say it's too different to compare uh, the how you came up and, and your career versus what some of these kids, you know, a lot of these kids are essentially natives. Mm-hmm. You know, they've had other people around them who have been working with them as they've been developing. Yeah. And it's the same reason as we said, mentioned earlier. Yeah. 
why there's now this proliferation of, of comic creators is because, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they, they have people like you to draw on who, who uh, forgive the pun, but, you know, who have come through that period of time where there was nothing, there wasn't anybody, and you were doing it out of just sheer perseverance and, and you know, they're, they're essentially, you know, stepping on the steps that you, you and, and a select few others have paved. Yeah, that's nice. A nice thing to say. Oh, I, I, just, I, I firmly believe it. There's, there weren't that many cats around in the eighties and the nineties, and um, you know, all these kids now that are that are getting getting published and you know getting signed to companies overseas and getting distribution deals, and you just go. Not only is that amazing and amazing for them, yeah, but it's it's another thing for them to turn around and go, yeah, but it's because of you that I'm able to do all this stuff. And I think that's a great thing. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting way to look at it. Yeah, I, I sort of, yeah, I, don't, I just don't know. Yeah, I've never really thought about it kind of like that, but it's nice to, to hear that because I think it's also you, I don't know about you, but I I I forget that I've kind of been doing it for a while. Like, and I, I don't feel any older than I was when I was 17. Like I know I am, mm-hmm. um, but I, in, in terms of like some energy, particularly with my, up like comics I feel pretty much as fresh as when I first started and probably as vulnerable as well actually like it doesn't for me it doesn't really go away it just I get better at dealing with it yeah that was ah there was something that I was going to say about about the young the oh yeah the court the the comic art workshop I was just gonna I was just thinking about it how it's like one of my favorite things is being around cartoonists and talking about comics and being with people who understand like the language of talking about, of how to talk about comics and on all different levels. And like, there's not, you know, not everyone can do that. And I always like, whenever I go to like a book launch or, you know, anything comic related, like at the, at a writer's festival, when you're around lots of, because now, you know, cartoonists are, you know, intermingling with art, fine artists and writers at festivals and, yep. you know, even yep. in all different, across all different, for all different forms, like merging, you know, um, at mm-hmm. the same time. But when, when you're in a room and you sort of, you spot the cartoonist and you kind of, and you'll be with your, your, your cartoonist posse, often people who, you know, really like, they might not see each other very often, but they really know each other in yep. on lots of levels in terms particularly in terms of like their what they do there's just something so nice about it and so comforting and and also just an understanding it was just like this yeah. understanding that you have with what you do and it's and just if you just can tap into that once in a while it's really refreshing and it's like easy to come back and be solitary again just if you get a little fix of of your comic people mm-hmm. uh which is nice and now with social media you know with i mean social media has been around for a long time but with social media, you can do that you know, any time now. But you know, in the old days, it was very, it was more like you you meet up at you know at the at the pub on I don't know on Burke Street every Friday night at six o'clock, and you draw and drink beer for a couple of hours, and then you do it yep. a month later or whatever. Yeah. So the workshop was going to be really great to be around all those people. People I haven't met like a lot of people who were working on really ambitious projects, really different sorts of projects, all really varied. And I reckon I'm probably going to learn a bloody hell of a lot from these guys, these people <laughs> um, yet to meet. Um, and then also be hanging out with some people who I've known for yeah quite a while. Yeah. I must say that what you describe in terms of 
of, of you know find not necessarily finding your people but but being amongst your people is is such an an amazing amazing feeling and it's often the a, a similar description to when when i see all the different creators and you know they see each other at some of these independent comic conventions and it's always just like a big like a big party well not necessarily party but it's it's you know they each understand you know, they're swapping comics and they're talking to each other and yeah it's 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 nice to be uh, on the periphery of that and seeing that happen uh, as as a long as a lifelong comics fan, just just like seeing how it's grown and and the interactions between creators is is it's a wondrous thing. Like I I fucking love it. Yeah, I'm seeing it. Yeah. it's it's that inclusion in this world that a lot of people for some reason don't understand or don't care to understand. Yeah. In in my immediate um, friends group. I'm really the only one that reads them and loves them. Yeah. And so I ended up working in a comic shop for many years. Was that in that uh, Melbourne? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I started doing the show at Triple R, it was amazing getting to speak to people like yourself, academics who were breaking down the mechanics mm. of comics. You know, all that shit just blows my mind. And I can sit here and I can talk about it forever. Yeah. And I fucking love it. And the obsession, like, that people have for comics. Because yeah. I worked in a comic shop as well for a couple of years in Canberra. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, you know, I served people comics and it was, it was, yeah, a lot of the comics that I was selling to people were of genres I had no interest in. But it was like, it was mm-hmm. still like the, the obsession, the passion and the, the collectability yeah. of it, collecting them, which is what I used to do. Yeah. You know, there's a bit of an obsession with that. And it was, um, yeah, it was really great. It was a really great environment to be in. And and also, also while I worked, when I worked at the comic book store, they allowed me to have a, a shelf just for the small press comic section wow. of Canberra. That's great. Of, I've, I've, not even just Canberra, because I knew that I was writing to lots of com- comic artists interstate. So I would get comics from people I knew and stock them, stock them in the comic yeah. book store as a little small press section, which is, I know still happens today. I know like, like, like Gina um, from South Australia, she, you know, she organized a small press section in the comic book mm-hmm. store she works in. And yeah, just things like, just, yeah. you can see like that was, you know, 20 years later, people are still, you know, supporting small press in comic book stores. It's, it's good. It's great, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's really great. It's really great. Uh, I must say that while we've been talking, I haven't been able to stop looking at the all the reference books. It's, I mean, it's impossible for me to figure out what the hell they are. But oh, you look at all my com- and look at my beautiful. That's just that's just the big ones. The little ones are downstairs. I'm not surprised. Wow. Look at yeah, that. but that's over many years, like of collecting, and I. Like I look at other cartoonists, I've seen some other people's collection of graphic novels and comics, and oh, holy shit! Like everywhere, we're all got a bit of a problem actually. But <laughs> we might need to. It's not a problem. Uh, no, no. I mean, they're all like they're, they're every single one of them is just like exquisite, and and that's the thing is I tend to like I revisit those books many, 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 many times, and you know they'll I'll just through my whole you know life I'm just gonna be constantly looking back at those books. For inspiration they're all they're all amazing you know amazing. Could go on about my books but i won't i think we're out of time <laughs> <laughs> we'll, okay. le- we'll leave that for another time there's there's yeah. plenty of time in the future can i ask you a quick question shoot so obviously you're like you're you know you you um you're into comics and talking about comics and you create comics so i'm getting the impression you do your comics no no you don't i, I thought you did I thought you were saying you were something about drawing or i well i you know i draw but i haven't actively i think the furthest i've gotten was a short story i wrote 10 years ago that I only okay. a couple of years ago I laid out, and that's the furthest I've gone. 
So I've got this, yeah. you know, I've written a script, I've got the comics and I've laid it out, but I'm too scared to start drawing it. Yeah. I was just going to say, cause I thought I hadn't really asked about you, of you, like in, in terms of your comics. No, no, that's because, yeah, that sounds yeah, well, yeah, it, it's, it was, it was more around, um, you know, when, when I started talking to people a lot, particularly earlier on on the show, when the show was on air at, at triple R, uh, I was talking to people yeah. and, and some of the things I'm describing, I wasn't like, I understood the mechanics of what they were saying, but I, I didn't know what it felt like. And so yeah. I decided that particularly when I started the podcast, I thought I'm going to find something that I've done. And I'm going to try and put something together just so I understand what I'm talking about. Or at the very least, when I'm talking to somebody, I understand the process from my perspective anyway. And so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, yeah, I reckon like it's when I think of people like, like I I really like Harvey Pika's work Mm -hmm. and I like the way he talks about comics and what he talked and I like the way he thought about comics and understood them. He didn't draw them though, but as we know, like he just you know, American Splendor and his collaborations and his, yeah, his passion for comics, all that, like, I always just thought that was re- really interesting about him is, is his involvement with comics without particularly drawing comics. Yeah. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, yeah. It, I suppose it depends on the person. Uh, I'm, I've been lucky enough that I've spoken with a lot of different types of people and comic creators and, and reading Scott McCloud's Making Comics blew my mind and then I spoke to Neil Cohn, an academic He's written a book, visual, creative, fucking blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it was such a dense read, but it was so fascinating. Yeah. And having a chat to him about what he thinks about the mechanics of comics was was unbelievable. Yeah. But yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm similar to you. Like, I'm really interested in, I've got lots of like books here that are about like really looking into the theoretical side of comics. So a lot of them are so dense. I can't read them. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what the Neil Cohn book's like. It's, I got to the, the last right. chapter and I just went, oh, this is just super dense yeah and they kind of just make me want to go read comics um <laughs> like i'm reading this and i'm like academic text trying to be like trying to be clever and i'm like fuck i just want to go read a comic yeah. right now yeah and that's but, that it's what it's like a lot of the concepts they talk about are so they are so heavy and and i, and I get it yeah. and, and that's why i think the scott mcleod thing is so great is because it's it's so accessible versus so yeah, yeah the way that the brain works in you know in in relation to comics is all has always fascinated yeah. me yeah yeah totally yeah, yeah I, I find that interesting too like I, I teach animation to animation students once a year and my animation lecturer well the guy sorry the guy running the animation department last year he sent me all this stuff on um, all these links about scientific articles about visual imagery in the brain yeah. to out of interest because it's his particular interest that he has so i watched all those read all of those and i integrated that in some of the teaching that i Mm -hmm. did to the animation students in terms of you know the power of imagery and how it on a a physiological level how it impacts the brain how we're wired how we operate as animals and you know all that stuff and that's it is very very and it makes you and it kind of makes you makes me sort of much more into comics because it's sort of there's a whole science behind Mm -hmm. it there's actually like a science behind the way it affects people's cognition and ability to understand and, yeah. and participate, having to like bridge the gaps between the gap between images and all that kind yeah. of stuff. It's, it's just it, so It is. It's so awesome and, and so interesting. And it's the, 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 again, it's, you know, when, when, when you are, exp- when it is explained to you, you, you know, it, it, it draws me in further. Cause it's like, wow, that's actually happening. Like I'm understanding. And I've been a big, 
supporter of comics in terms of education because of what it can do that that text yeah. and image can't do alone you know it's it's such an amazing medium and it has been shat on mm. for so long with really no good reason other than morons like people in the 50s wanting to burn them and think that children are juvenile delinquents <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's just ridiculous yeah. half the shit that they were saying yeah. it's absolutely so it's ridiculous so it's, it is kind of a it's sort of like a weird sort of bittersweet irony of you know schools oops lost you schools embracing graphic novels as a learning mode um which is great but it's like yeah. wow yeah. All, all of a sudden it's like everything's clicked right yeah it's brilliant yeah yeah it's good for us we can go and teach at schools and it's nice yeah mandy thank you very much for for being a guest on the show it's been supremely awesome talking to you and thanks so much for all your insights i wish you luck with the the comics comic arts workshop residency coming up soon and i can't wait to read that new book excellent thank you so much for having me on your show and it's just been really fun thanks so much you're very welcome thank you all right take care you too mate you too yeah bye bye that's the end of this episode of Graphic Nature. Thanks for listening. If you could please rate and review the show on whatever podcast service you use, it'd be greatly appreciated. If you have any thoughts regarding the show, feel free to send an email to feedback at graphicnature.media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And for more information about the show, visit Graphic Nature on the web by typing into your web browser or search engine graphicnature.media. Until next time, enjoy the comics you read and read the comics you enjoy. Credits! Written, produced, and presented by Zoran Ilyevsky. Editing and audio production, Samuel Brown. Additional editing, Zoran Ilyevsky. Audio consultation, Archie Cuthbertson, Dan Moore. Credits announcer, Simon Winkler. Theme character voices, Zoran Ilyevsky. Audio excerpts of Senate Subcommittee on Juvenile Delinquency, Wortham vs. Games on Decency Standards, used courtesy of New York City Municipal Archives. You've been listening to Graphic Nature, the podcast.